0: Hi everyone, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me. I feel very uh, privileged to be your first sort of live uh, speaker this morning. So we're going to look at silence and solitude today. What I will say is, as I'm going through, so I'm going to, in the true um, sense, we've come to used to these uh, Downing Street um, uh, conferences every every day or every week or haven't We or these um, these announcements by. uh, the prime minister or the health minister or whatever and so in the just to, to, just so you felt at home this morning that uh, i will be saying next slide please um, at regular intervals because i can't see the slides this morning either so again whatever turns up let's just go with it so great so what, what it has meant is next slide please is that uh, i have read this book the ruthless elimination of hurry given that this was the subject you asked me to speak on And I want to thank you for that, because it's had a real impact on me. Um, And I would recommend, if you haven't, that this book is a book that is good to read and good for the soul. So we're going to start with solitude and silence, silence and solitude. And on a very basic level, I'm very good at one of these and not so good at the other. I live on my own. I love my own company. I'm very comfortable with solitude. Not for huge lengths of time, obviously, but I'm very comfortable with that. But silence, not so good. I always have to have some noise in the house. I've got two dogs who do make a lot of noise, but I always have to have some noise in the house. Some music or the television very often is on, even to go to sleep, which I know is not a good thing, but but (laughs) I, I, I do struggle with that a bit. But actually, that's not what we're really looking at this morning is it we're looking at the discipline of silence and solitude because we live in a world where to be totally alone with no contact no distraction with anything or anyone is tricky even if you live on your own because next slide please twitter keeps tweeting facebook instagram snapchat just kick your way through them all keep notifying us. Even Alexa will talk to you. If you ask her to, she'll chat away to you about whatever subject you want. The TV is on, the phone is on, and we're never really out of touch unless we purposefully turn off devices and move ourselves to a place of quiet and solitude. You see, in the discipline of solitude and silence, we're learning to do just that to be purposeful in our desire to stop.
1: Stop doing, stop producing,
0: stop pleasing, stop entertaining ourselves and others, stop obsessing, stop doing anything except to come simply our naked selves before God and to be found by him. The fact is that when we practice solitude, we're actually drawing ourselves closer and closer to this important, most important person in our lives, to Jesus. And we need to point out that, yes, being alone with Jesus is is a great thing and deliberately making time for God, and God alone, is a great thing. But actually what we're doing in that moment is we're building a relationship. That just being on our own with God is building a relationship. And we know that it's possible to be alone with God in a room full of people. Because if you're focused on that relationship, you're alone with God. And how wonderful is it going to be when we're allowed to be in a room full of people <laughs> again, but actually to still be alone with God in those moments? Because the normal practice, if you like, of silence and solitude is to get alone, get alone with God, is to, uh, is to set aside time, hours, days even,
1: to be alone with him. Perhaps you take a walk
0: sit beside a lake or in a field, find a quiet spot in a park or in your garden, or even a secluded chair in your house somewhere that you make that decision to spend some time alone with God. As long as all communication is off, then that's alone. But actually, the point of that time in solitude and silence is just to do nothing. And I think sometimes, again, we're almost frightened to do it because it's as if we've got to do something. But actually, it's not. It's about doing nothing and trying, not trying to make anything happen, just to be
1: purposeful
0: in that moment. We're going to look at some examples from the Bible of some people who exemplify the benefits of solitude and silence. We're going to look at... Next slide, please. Jesus... John the Baptist and Paul. And then how we can practically practice this discipline and to look at some quotes from some clever people who have some good advice or have some good observations for us. But let's look at Jesus. Next slide, please. Because Jesus began his public ministry with 40 days of withdrawal into the desert wilderness. He went there to fast and to pray. In solitude and silence. You can read this in Matthew 4, Luke 4 and Mark 1. He was alone, hungry, thirsty, surrounded by wild animals and tested by Satan. I think sometimes we can read this story, this, story, this wonderful story of Jesus' time in the wilderness and almost feel sorry for Jesus. Jesus. Thinking he was weak and vulnerable and how did he just how did he even survive that time? and we also tend to think that being in a wilderness place is a place of weakness, but the truth of it is that Jesus' wilderness was the time that the Father and the scriptures and ministering angels strengthened him. His time alone with God in the wilderness and quietly focused on him, empowered him, strengthened him, made him able to resist the devil's temptations, and it focused and prepared him on his public ministry. Jesus' time in the wilderness was not a time of weakness for Jesus. It was a wonderful time of growth and empowerment. And throughout his ministry um, of preaching and healing and discipling, we see him using this discipline a lot, removing himself from crowds again and again, often getting up very early to do so in order to be quiet and alone with God. There are many examples of this in the gospel. Um, Next slide, please. Let's read one in Mark 1, 35. Early in the morning, Jesus got up, left the house while it was still dark outside and went to a deserted place to pray. Jesus' rhythm of intimacy with his father was how he stayed renewed and empowered and and used the Holy Spirit in his life um, and for his life and ministry. And also in quiet prayer, he listened to God and he received discernment on many things to choose the 12 disciples, to uh, when he would move from one city to the next city, when he would, when he would decide where it was right to speak to someone or to move on or to heal someone or to move on. These decisions are not decisions he made um, off the cuff. These are decisions that he had discernment over. You know, if we ever needed evidence of the power of solitude with God, it's in the life of Jesus. And Jesus taught his disciples to follow this practice as well. Next slide, please. Mark 6, verses 31 and 32 says, So Jesus says to his disciples, Let's go out into the wilderness for a while and rest ourselves. The crowds gathered as always, and Jesus and the twelve couldn't eat because so many people came and went. They could get no peace until they boarded a boat and sailed towards a a deserted place. He knew that they needed to be away from it all, to be in a quiet place, to pray and to be restored. John the Baptist, next slide please. John the Baptist is another one in the Bible who practiced solitude with God. And I don't know if you ever have this picture of John the Baptist. He's quite a figure, wasn't he? This man living in the wilderness, surrounded by wild animals, dressed in a hairy camel outfit with a big belt tied around the middle, and he ate locusts and wild honey. This is the picture of John the Baptist we have, and his message was as blunt and as uncompromising as the surroundings he lived in. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John lived in the desert. He had his disciples, eventually, yes, and hundreds of people would come out every day to be taught by him and be baptised. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets, and all of whom were pretty big on solitude. We heard this morning about Elijah, alone, almost abandoned, he felt abandoned at one point, but alone, and fleeing for his life because Ahab and Jezebel were, uh, were coming after him. Look at even the picture of Jonah sat outside Nineveh, under the, under the tree. There's a lot of solitude when it comes to the prophets. Now John, quite a picture. John sought no glory for himself. His whole life's ambition and great joy was to prepare the way for people to go to Jesus i had forgotten this, uh, this little sort of verse, next slide please, that we're going to read, that John says, cause I just thought it was worth mentioning again so this morning, it's lovely that it's there, I've said it many times and you've heard me, I'm not the anointed one, I'm the one who comes before him, if you're confused, consider this, the groom is the one with the bride, the best man takes his place close by and listens for him, when he hears the voice of the groom, he is swept up in the joy of the moment, so hear me. My joy could not be more complete. He, the groom, must take centre stage and I, the best man, must step to his side. His life was all about Jesus being greater and he becoming less and less. What a man. What an example. Where did he learn this? Well, in the solitude and silence of the wilderness. That's where he learnt it. That's where he learned what God's, uh, message was for him to say to people, where he learned what god's role for him was in the silence and solitude of the wilderness. The apostle Paul, next slide, please. The apostle Paul certainly knew uh, the importance of silence and solitude. Do you remember even just that first after his first encounter with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus? The next three days, he spent in silence and solitude. The Bible tells us he waits for three days, completely blind, does not eat a bite or drink a drop of anything, Acts 9, verse 9. And then after Ananias comes and ministers to him, he visits the disciples and he withdraws to be with Jesus for three years in the isolation of the Arabian desert. Galatians 1, 15 to 16, next slide please, says this, but God, who set me apart even before birth and called me by his grace, chose to his great delight to reveal his son to me so I could tell his story among the nations. I didn't confer with anyone right away, nor did I go to those who were already emiruses emir- in Jerusalem. I went straight to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. After living this adventurous mission for three years, I made my way to Jerusalem and spent 15 days with Cephas, who you know as Peter. The wilderness was Paul's training ground. Training to do what God had set him apart to do, a place of empowerment, a place of knowledge, because he was alone with God to listen and to hear. So let's get a bit practical, shall we? Because we don't all need to be monks or nuns living in isolation uh, to practice the discipline of solitude and silence. The obvious way for us to do this is in daily devotions in the Bible. Of course it's obvious, why is it then something we all struggle with? (laughs) Why do we all struggle with it? But we do. Because it's a discipline. Because it takes some effort, doesn't it? You know, it takes between 21 and 28 days to develop a habit. I wonder how prepared are we to develop this habit, this discipline of silence and solitude. Because to set aside time is very purposeful, and we need to be very mindful of that. But there are less obvious ways maybe to get us going on this. Because most of us have some time during the day where we are alone. It might be your drive to work. Uh, it might be walking the dog. It might be doing errands in and out of the house. You know, it might be you know, we have to run upstairs to put stuff in the airing cupboard. And you know, actually, for those few precious moments, we could be on our own, even in that sort of sense. But actually, being purposeful, is a discipline that we must learn to turn off the radio, the TV, the devices, the live stream music, whatever it is. It doesn't need to be long, but we need to set aside and spend time with God. Rumi, uh, the uh, middle-aged mystic, said this, next slide please, the quieter you become, the more you're able to hear. And we had that absolutely Um, the example of that this morning didn't we, myself and Matt and again why do we not hear that it's so obvious, of course the quieter we become the more we're able to hear but we are noisy people and even in our heads we're noisy, we're noisy in our chat with ourselves and we need to be purposeful and to calm our minds down as well because my question is this morning to us is do we want to hear God and I'm hoping that there's a resounding yes coming through uh, YouTube but how are we going to hear him if we're not setting aside time to hear him we need to learn to be quiet as I say, we can't all wouldn't we would I'm sure it's like places like Sizewell are such a blessing to us, aren't they? Because you feel like you have that time, the quiet. You can go down to the beach, you go to your room, whatever, and it's purposeful. And we often think, don't we? Talking of bubbles, bubbles are you know we've talked a lot about bubbles in the last year or so. But Sizewell is a bubble, a bubble where it seems perfectly able we're able to do that. And it's about capturing some of that, bringing it home with us
1: because we can have that in our own homes.
0: So we need to learn to be quiet. Now, not being an expert in this at all, and learning with you, I've turned to some learned people. We've had some good quotes, I felt, that really helped me um, as I started thinking about this. Henri Nouwen describes how our initial experience in complete quiet and aloneness with God is likely to feel. He said this, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, it is the place of conversion, the place where old self dies and new self is born. The wisdom of the desert place is that the confrontation with our own frightening nothingness forces us to surrender ourselves totally and unconditionally to Jesus. I mean, what a wonderful picture of that wilderness, that desert place is. And someone else clever said, Once you push through the initial discomfort and challenge of solitude, you'll find that it will bring a wonderful refreshment of God's peace that transcends all understanding and guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that quote from Philippians 4, verse 7. Wow! This sounds like good stuff for us, doesn't it? Dietrich Bonhoeffer believed that solitude was so valuable in helping him listen to God's word and centre his mind on God that he practised it at the start and end of every day. He said this, We are silent at the beginning of the day because God should have the first word. We are silent before going to sleep because the last word belongs to him also. Silence is nothing but waiting for God's word and coming from God's word with a blessing. But everybody knows that this is something that needs to be practiced and learned. You know, when we're deeply in love with someone, we think about them when we get up in the morning, when we go to sleep at night, we think about them all the time. So again, shouldn't we be spending extended time with Jesus in solitude and silence and grow more and more in love with him as we do that? And listen to this from Richard Foster. The fruit of solitude, explains Richard Foster, is increased sensitivity and compassion for others. There comes a new freedom to be with people. There is a new attentiveness to their needs, a new responsiveness to their hurts. And Next slide, please. A person who is under the discipline of silence is a person who can say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. If we are silent when we should speak, we are not living in the discipline of silence. If we speak when we should be silent, we again miss the mark. But it's only through practice that 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 happens to us. And Jesus modeled this wise approach, didn't he? He knew when to be quiet when to be in community with others, when he needed solitude, when he needed to be with people, when to be silent before his accusers, when to speak up and when to let people go their own way and when to grab them and and tell them something they needed to hear, when to endure persecution quietly and when to stand and fight in love.
1: So are we ready to learn and
0: practice this discipline? Next slide, please, to find time to be alone with God and to sit in His presence and hear him speak. In solitude and silence in a wilderness, we go into training with Jesus. Now anyone who works, I work in the education sector, anyone who ever worked in the education sector, we never it's lifelong learning. We never stop learning. How much? Greater is that for us as Christian disciples to never stop learning. I want to go into training with Jesus and he wants me to go into training with him. He is waiting for me to just get it and to say, yes, I, I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to spend time with you. And He's waiting to give us blessing and empowerment and to strengthen and challenge us. So we need to catch on to that, because he's going to speak to us, he's going to inspire us, and he's going to prepare us for the work he wants us to do. And through all this, we can bring him and his wisdom and grace into our relationship with others, so they too might know this great joy. So I don't know about you, next slide please, but I think solitude and silence are sounding more and more like gifts to me. And, I, and, and I, I want us to be ready. I want to be ready. I want you to be ready to start unwrapping But let's do that, shall we? Let's be purposeful and unwrap these gifts this morning and see the blessing that comes from it. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your words are so clear and we're so sorry that we just don't get it sometimes. But Lord, this morning we pray that you would uh, challenge us to spend time with you. You would challenge us to be quiet and to hear you. And you would challenge us to be purposeful in our relationship with you. We want to learn these disciplines so that we might be more like the people you want us to be. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.